I am told that the Astros have won the World Series. I am further told that people in Philadelphia are really unhappy. At least one of those is an uplifting outcome. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. Now, Houston did win. I confirmed that before getting on this. I didn't watch any of the World Series. It's not like some protest thing or whatever. It's not interested. Um, I got a little bit of an issue when it comes to baseball in that I just don't watch baseball that doesn't involve the Pirates. And again, this isn't like some stance that I took. I've been that way pretty much my whole life. I just don't find it interesting enough. I am, for reasons that go all the way back to childhood, intensely engaged when it comes to the Pirates and the teams that they're playing. And then once that morphed into a professional thing, it really still didn't change. Like I just couldn't put on a casual baseball game between two other teams. It just wouldn't hold my interest for more than an inning, if that. So anyway, I'm probably in the minority in that regard, but maybe I'm not. Because I looked at the World Series ratings, a subject that does interest me, and this one did okay. Uh, this one held up pretty well against last season's. But the number that you want to use, the comparison point that you want to apply really to any form of business right now, and we do it ourselves at, at DK Pittsburgh Sports, is to 2019. You have no value in gauging how you did against any of the pandemic years because you can fool yourself into thinking, hey, look at us. We're really awesome. We're doing better than in that one year where everything ceased to exist. Okay. So baseball's ratings since 2019, including for the World Series, are down in the range of 8 to 10%. And that's not great. Baseball's attendance is down 17% from that time the average crowd at a big league ballpark in 2022 the season just completed was 26,000 and change now the first reason that i share this information with you is to at least begin to overcome the misperception in pittsburgh that it's just in pittsburgh we where we've turned off to baseball it's not it's almost everywhere. Almost. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. 
Who are the teams that drew the biggest crowds? Well, not coincidentally, they're also the teams that had the biggest payrolls, which also, not coincidentally, are the teams that were in the biggest markets. So the Dodgers had the greatest attendance. The Yankees and the Mets were up there playing in a region that has 13 million people in and around those two stadiums. Philadelphia and Houston, of course, the two teams that ended up going to the World Series, drew very well. Philadelphia and Houston also happened to be two of the top half dozen markets in the United States. Not everybody thinks of them that way. We tend to think of, you know, New York, LA, Chicago, whatever, but Philly and Houston are right up there. And they did very well, both of them, to fill relatively small ballparks. And they also contributed, I should add, to the World Series ratings not having dropped precipitously, but just having dropped a little bit. But if you want to get into what really impacts the overall drop in attendance, the biggest separator by a mile is the degree to which it's dropped in places like Pittsburgh, where there's no hope or at the very most scant hope. Not all of those reasons are the same. In Oakland, they've given up because they know they're going to lose their franchise. In Miami, they still don't even know that they have a franchise. Whereas in places like, oh, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, and I think even though they just had a terrific year, like Cleveland, if you go back over the past decade, you'll see that that franchise has had attendance problems when the team isn't completely awesome, and at times even when the team is completely awesome, as it was this year. Those are major issues for the sport, because what you do is you reduce yourself to being a five-team or a six-team league. And while that might sound all sexy to the national sports writers who seem to think that's just the natural order of things, there's a big, big difference between being the National Football League, which has 32 viable, very much involved markets. I guess you could always throw in an exception for like a Jacksonville or whoever. And then there's Major League Baseball, which only has a handful when you turn on an NFL game on a Thursday night, and it's between, hmm, I'll, here, I'll use Jacksonville again. Jacksonville and Green Bay, two of the smallest markets in professional sports, any sport. Green Bay is the size of a village, population 70,000. And they'll draw like crazy. Why? Because Jacksonville's got Trevor Lawrence and some other good young talent. Green Bay still got Aaron Rodgers. He hasn't had a great year, but they've still got him. And people will watch because the salary cap system ensures that talent gets spread all over. In baseball, they see the shortest term, laziest possible solution in every case, which is, uh, how can we make this work? Oh, I know, New York. And then that's the end of the discussion. I'm sure to these people that this World Series was a great success just because it had two big markets competing. And you know what, my friends? I'm pretty sure that in the course of 
These seven and a half minutes, I just answered my own question as to why I don't watch other baseball. When we come back, J1Q. from Bob who asks plain and simple when exactly will the people running the Pirates give a damn I I don't know that they will Bob because I don't have precedent for it I have and I'm not even being glib when I say that you know from 2013 to 15 depending on who's telling the story the people who gave a damn The people who pushed the hardest for the Pirates to compete were all at field level. That means uh, the players, and one of these days I'll name names, it won't be on this show, but who were the players that were most instrumental? Some of them would surprise you in pushing the front office to take that payroll to $100 million and making things happen in a competitive way. I could also bring up that Clint Hurdle was uh, an incredibly competitive manager. Uh, You know, he wasn't perfect. uh, No major league baseball manager is or ever was. But Clint definitely wanted to win. And Clint had no problem expressing himself to everybody all the way up to Bob Nutting. And that's why I... I hedge on this one because I don't know that exists with Ben Charrington and or Derek Shelton. I just don't because I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. it. That's not a shot. That's not a jab. It's just I haven't seen it. And you know what? Neither of you. You you can't. If you're their biggest fan of one or the other, you can't come back at me and say, oh, yeah, well, what about this? You can't. You can't cite a single instance over three years. Okay, one, one. That was when Shelton let David Bednar throw those 50 pitches at Dodger Stadium because he could sense that his team in that dugout wanted to win that game. And that's it. That's it. It's all I got over three full years. That's it. That one night. That one decision. I don't sense... That it's there. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they are masters of disguise and they are the most latently competitive human beings in the history of civilization. But until I see it, I can't get behind the concept. And what you have right now is a really dangerous mix of an owner who isn't that way, a GM who hasn't shown that, and a manager who hasn't shown that. And if you really want to take this further, a clubhouse that hasn't shown that, meaning the main guys. I don't know who the next big leader slash winner is going to be on that roster, but I do know after hearing a lot of stories related to the 2013 to 15 teams, at some point it's got to be somebody. At some point it's got to be somebody who isn't just like, oh, here I go. That isn't just like Brian Reynolds or Brian Hayes and just, you know, 
well, tough loss and shows up the next day and just continues on the same path. That's who they are. That's not even, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, branding of them. It's just who they are. That's what their personalities are. And in Reynolds's case, I think it's a significant part of what's made him successful. He doesn't let his bad days get him down. He shows up the next day and goes, you know, two for four or whatever. But your clubhouse needs all different types, and the Pirates do not currently have those types. So they have an entire circle, a giant community of people who are not of that mindset, and that should be scary as hell to anyone, even if you believe in the talent that's at hand. I appreciate the question. I think. <laughs> I didn't mean to go into all that. See what happens when you get me with a good one? I appreciate everybody who listens to Daily Shot of Pirates, and we'll have another one of these tomorrow, I promise. Mm-hmm.